are listening to the Freeform Rock Podcast with Mark Alden Taylor. Welcome to another edition of the Freeform Rock Podcast. What's up, Lee? Hey, how you doing? My name is King Popcorn. Oop, I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm, never mind. I don't pop off, I pop on. Oop. Uh, Hi, how are you doing? I wonder, you guys are wondering why he's saying that, because I have a book, Rush Album by Album, by Martin Popoff. So he's uh, talking about that right now. And um, No, I was I'm just talking about the fact that I'm a twisted, weird piece of corn. But never mind, go on. Yes, <laughs> that's funny. Because today we're going to do uh, Rush, Grace Under Pressure, my favorite band of all time. And one of my favorite 80s albums by Rush. Spoiler alert, I like every album by Rush. I know a lot of people dropped off and after this album because they went too keyboardy and not like 70s like they were. This album was from 1984, April 12th, 1984. So we're almost up to the, let's see, April 12th. We're almost to the anniversary of this album. Freaking cool. I didn't even know that. Yeah, this is from uh, April 12th, 1984. But before we get into that, so what's up, Lee? How's it going with you? Oh, it's going okay. Um, I just found out that instead of going to New York this week, I'll be going next month. But that's okay. But um, part of it is that um, my sister has my sister has a bunch of different um, exams and finals and stuff, and the weather there is very very cold very icy and so she thought that next month would be better I went hey that's fine she felt very bad she was like I don't want you to have to you know have your feelings hurt like as if we don't want you um you know because we do it's just a schedule and hey I want you to do what's good for you because that way we can it's all good and she was like okay run on and so other than that I'm I'm just buzzed and ready to dig into this album. All right. Well, this is this is kind of this and Signals are my fa- favorite ADS albums. I love Moving Pictures and I love all the rest of the albums in the 80s. I love Hold Your Fire, but for some reason I always find myself just listening to this album over and over. I think this is the first album where Neil actually did a lot of electronic drums. But he actually played them and not really programming him, you know? That's that's the thing. It's like um, you can play anything from a drum to a shoebox, but as long as you play it, that's the right thing. Yeah, this is one of my favorite albums. So I'm going to get into Chapter 10 in the book, Rush, album by album, by Martin Popov. He says, with the departure of Terry Brown... Rush essentially left the analog warmth of the 70s behind. Even if Signals is defined furthermore by its keyboards, there was a charming homespun antique quality to that record. On Grace Under Pressure, conversely, the band emerges squ- squinting and snowblind into a dystopian expanse de- depicted in Hugh Sine's harsh album cover, steeled f- for engagement within Sometimes Against a New World. As they trapezed into the unforgiving landscape, essentially on their own, decrying the lack of direction given to them by their last-minute production choice of Peter Henderson, the guys feeling like most aspects of constructing constructing this album 
constituted a grind they had to live through alone. The end result is a record that the band, at least, they had sh shook the memories of the torturous making, find fiercely artistically satisfying from a musical point of view that was a struggle between Alex and Getty's new electronic toys on signals. It's now hero heroic battle between the two bold adversaries. Alex has gamely embraced the 80s and has find, found a way to cut through the tandem with Get Getty, surging ahead with keyboards that do the same. So, both have vigorously modernized as well as Neil, who has integrated electronic drums in his repertoire. repertoire. I can't say it. And the most impactful visual of being the percussionist and his Simmons kit a bit behind him and not used as depicted in the memorable Distant Ernie Warning video. This is a really different album for this is like a sea change for rush when they got into this album they really oh. threw everything away from signals and just totally changed what do you think about this album so um, far lee well here's what i think about rush in general and i will answer that question and i won't take too long the first album was like excellent with this like heavy kind of pub rocking sound and then with the change in drummer it's like they just wanted to rehaul and do something a bit different so let's say it's like each album was like them going through a room and constructing that room and I found that they kept doing that and trying to perfect their sound and then I finally thought that Signals was the first album in which that sound was kind of like, yes, this is finally what we were trying to do. And then Grace Under Pressure was like the next step up. And then I thought Power Windows was even better. And then when it got to Hold Your Fire, I thought, well, they took a step down. But it proves that each album is its own thing. It's all Rush, but it's all different. But I would consider this album to be a part of an unintentional trilogy of Signals, Grace Under Pressure, and Power Windows, because they all kind of have that same cool sound that was, um, like it or not, the MTV Generation sound. But that's they, that's how I feel. But they also had their own sound, even though they integrated. I, you could hear a lot of police on this album from Ghost in the Machine. You could tell they were listening to a lot of police, and they even say that in this book, which I, I wouldn't I have even thought notes. that. I yeah, wouldn't have even thought that. It's you know, I I was just thinking. I, I was just thinking that the MTV sound, meaning like stuff that that became the MTV sound, but I thought that they contributed to it. I didn't think they were taking from other groups. That wasn't what I meant. I, I meant, you, you can continue what you say, but I thought that what I meant was just that um, they were starting a new thing. That's all, but go on. It's just funny in this book, because on my notes, I wrote that they kind of sound like the police. And this is, in fact, one might call Grace Under Pressure the after image of the police's ghost in the machine. 
Because I heard a lot of reggae beats and, and like, guitaring, and it kind of sounded like the police on some songs on this. You could tell they were heavily influenced by the police. And for a band this creative to get influenced by a band gives that other band a lot of power. You know, the police were actually a really good band. And for Rush to go, hey, we like that. Let's let's use that in our sound. That's freaking awesome. I Now that you mention it, now I see it. That scares me, the fact that I now learn some from you. <laughs> Damn! That's freaky, but... Well, no, I had that I, in my notes on one song. I said it kind of... You I'm, could tell they're heavily I'm influenced drunk, by the police. I'm drunk, so I'll, I'll let you influence me all you want. Well, another thing about this album is that... Um, like I said, Neil Peart did a lot of electronic drums. Keyboards were prevalent, but I think Alex's guitar playing is really good on this record. And uh, some guy in this book says, I love the production on it. The guitar sounded amazing to me. In fact, I started getting the, into this record around 87 when I first went back to it and fell in love with it. I And I love the guitar sound so much that we, Fate's Warning, I guess this group isn't, this guy was from Fate's Warning, Matthäus, found out that yeah. he was using the Gillian Kruger amps, a pretty new brand on the scene at, at that time. And we went out and brought the whole back line of Gillian Kruger amps the bass guitar yeah. cabinets and we went out on the no exit tour because I loved that sound so much still didn't sound close but they looked the same laughs <laughs> yeah I I mean even though I've heard very very little of Fate's Warning the little bit that I've heard I I don't see any comparison with Rush I mean maybe there is some but uh, no I don't see it well he said it still didn't sound close but they looked the same <laughs> The, That's, the, yeah. Okay, okay. Like like maybe they wore the same kind of denim jacket. Okay. I don't know. But uh, let's see what Wikipedia says. Grace Under Pressure, the 10th studio album by the Canadian rock band Rush, released in 1984. It reached number 10 on the Billboard 200 chart and went platinum in the U.S. upon its initial release. The original vinyl pressing also featured a photo depicting an egg behind a C-clamp. The cover art was painted by Hugh Syme, a collaborator, a collaborator with Rush since 1975. And when he made the, the cover for... Caress of Steel on the back cover is the band portrait by photographer Yusuf Karsh. In a 1984 interview, Alex Lifeson once described Grace Under Pressure as the most satisfying of all our records. Lifeson has also stated it is the one of the most difficult Rush albums to make. Huh, that seems interesting how during the interview for Caress of Steel, he would talk about... about Grace under pressure, like like they must have imagined it in in the future or something. Or no, it was the same. I'm kidding with you. I'm kidding. Yeah. <laughs> I I'm trying to sound dumb. Why don't you let me for a change? Damn it. Okay. Just kidding. <laughs> it's all right. That's fine. You never sound dumb. You sound drunk, but you all never right. sound dumb. Well, then that this was a failed attempt. But uh, yay! <laughs> all right. Well, let's get into this album. Track one. Oh, wait. Before we get into this album, I need to know your three songs. Okay. After Image. Okay. Red Sector A. And Red Lenses. You went for the reds on this album, huh? Uh, it, it really was only a matter of the actual melody. I, I wasn't even thinking about the titles. 
Uh, I'm glad you... Uh, well, I'm going to add a fourth track to this album. I'm going to do Between the Wheels. Uh, okay. I love that song, so I have to do it because I think people need to hear that. Okay. I had a, I, I had a possible fourth song, but I mentioned it in the... Um, in your notes? In my, my, my notes, so... So I won't mention it now. All right. Well, let's get into this album, 1984 Rush. Number one track, Distant Early Warning. What do you think of this track? Oh, well, the chord changes remind me of some of the songs I've written. I think the quieter parts of the song make it a little more subdued than it needs to be, and I prefer when the drum hits heavy and fast. I think it should have started that way sooner, when the song began and then stayed that way. But compositionally, this is a great song. Yeah, compositionally, this is a great song. I love the keyboards and the bass. Good intro. Great lyrics. Neil's use of electronic drums are so good. He uses them as a tool, and it does not overpower the song. Chorus is so catchy. Love the solo, not overpowering. Goes with the song. Getty's voice is so awesome. His voice has so much emotion. And then this one guy, Nelson, in the pop-off book, says yes about Distant Early Warning, which just has amazing bass. I'm not talking so much under the verses, but under the chorus. You see the pattern that I like with Rush. They come up with that burning section at the end of Distant, especially live, back into, the, into that chorus, and you hear how hyped up they are and excited to play that. That's a great live song because the vocal goes up at the end. It's definitely a pattern of like... Okay, first bridge, first bridge, chorus. You know the guitars, guitar solo, everybody is burning, and then exit with those big who-like chorus chords, and then climatic vocal part. It just makes an amazing Rush tune. Oh, yeah, and I thought that I read somewhere in the excerpted part of the book that was thrown out at the last minute that a guy named Joe said, Oh, yeah, and I thought I saw a sign somewhere that said, sink under pressure and the pipes were very um loud and i love that and of course we didn't record it for the cops but hey you know there was a guy with a lifeboat and he sounded like alex lifeson and hey whoa boy oh wow <laughs> well we get into the next track which is after image which is the first track you picked off this record. So here is After, After Image on the Freeform Rock Podcast.
That was After Image by Rush. So why what did you like before, that song? What was before Image? Just kidding. Anyway, <laughs> great song. First best song on the album. And one of my favorite Rush songs. The way it's written and played. If I saw Rush live, I would be happy if they played this. In a way, I feel this could have been the first song on the album. Yeah, this is a great song. I said, song starts awesome, just gets right into it. Love the little guitar riff that goes in and out. The guitar is so good throughout, and the keyboards are perfect the way they are used. And I love the break that goes into the solo, and then the kick, and it's a kick-ass solo. The break lyrics are so great. As usual, sounds like a song of loss. I think the song sounds like a song of loss, and the guitar has a haunting tone. And then I read in the book right here, by this guy named Maurer again. It says, well, to me, the most important song on the record is After Image, which is written about Robbie Whalen, an engineer of theirs who had died in a car accident leaving La Studio. So I was right about the song of loss. And so was my fiance, because she said the same thing to me. And when you're a child or a teenager, your concept of death really hasn't been fully developed. You're still naive. When you hear that song at a much younger age, you're still not as appreciative of the lyrical context as you are as an adult. Me, personally, mm. that song on this album was released in 1984, and my father died in 1985, and I was only 11 years old. And the song itself, to hear the words, suddenly you were gone from all the lives you left your mark upon, I remember was special. You really get the feeling that Neil was starting to come out of his shell of allowing not so much of his cynical state of lyric writing. You saw this start develop in the circumstances plus entrepreneur and limelight little by little he would give you little pieces his feelings regarding whether whatever it was your mental state or emotional state in a sense your grieving state and that took a tremendous amount of a pain that definitely affected him tremendously hence the title record grace under pressure that's freaking awesome wow the the really trippy thing is i mean well, I totally respect everything that you said, so I'm not going to say anything disrespectful. The only thing I'll say is, I, I, I usually, when I listen to lyrics, I usually don't listen beyond, if I go, hey, that sounds cool, she loves you, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and so for, for um, people to actually really get into the lyrics, that's, that's a cool thing. Because it reminds me of... I did that with Bob Dylan. I think Bob Dylan was great. I did that with Pink Floyd The Wall. I I got an A in a book review because I reviewed Pink Floyd's The Wall. And and so I, I understand that. But like, yeah. Um, it's, it's interesting because Neil Peart wrote the lyrics, most or all... Most of them. But he didn't really write the... Music. I mean, I would think that he might have done the drum fills, but it, it's it's interesting. Um, I wonder what what you might think about that division. Do you think that maybe they thought, um, Neil, you can write all of the words, and we can write all of the music. That way, it's fair. I'm just curious what you well, might have thought. Well, they said when they first met Neil, and they said, Ben, this guy reads a lot of books. And I said, we're going to have him write the lyrics, and we'll write the music. So that's what really happened. <laughs> oh, okay, then, cool. Yeah. So we get into the next track you picked, Sec Red Sector A. So here's Red Sector A on the Freeform Rock Podcast. 
That was Red Sector A and the Freeform Rock Podcast by Rush. And so what did you think of that? Well, the second best song on the album. This reminds me of the group Tangerine Dream. If you like this one, you'd like Tangerine Dream's album Exit. The chord changes and the way they play it, just awesome. Some of Rush's songs, especially on some of their earlier albums, sound more like different song parts assembled to make a whole song, but they don't always work together as one song. This is an example of a song that sounds like it was written as a whole song that works together. I've done stuff like this on keyboard. I did this. Yeah, this is a cool track. That's what I said. Love. Let's see. This is track number... I'm out of it right now. A little bit. A lot of stress going on around the house. This is track number three. <laughs> I said, love the bait. Right. Oh, let's see. Love the guitar riff and the opening lyric. All we can do is just survive. All that we could do is help ourselves to stay alive. Plays like a sci-fi movie in my head and gives me images, images like it's a movie. Awesome song. Fucking love this track. This album should be a movie. Drumming is incredible. Real... Yeah. With the real drums and electronics that he uses. I love Neil Peart. And then this right guy on. in the book says, Red Sector A is another one that's extremely important, which is about the fight for survival in a concentration camp. Concentration camp. And again, Neil opens certain doors on records and without people really recognizing it. He never really fully shuts that door. He keeps that conversation open in later songs on other albums like Her Her Hersey and Roll the Bones, where he asks all these Precious wasted years. Who will pay? It's about communism and about the wall coming down and Berlin and all these millions of lives that have been lost and changed. And who will pay? And then we have the enemy. Okay, that's freaking awesome, man. I'm learning a lot by just reading this book. I know Neil Peart is my favorite lyricist of all time. Him and Lennon and McCartney. But I put him above Lennon and McCartney. Sorry, Beatles fans. But I freaking love Neil. His lyrics have always hit me really hard. And um. What do you think about his lyricism? You know. Well, lyrics? yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I like him better than Lemon Meringue Pie. You know, <laughs> may, may, maybe not as better as Lennon McCartney, but Lemon Meringue. But but no, um, I um, well, I had the um, Rush songbooks. I had the albums from the first album all the way up to and including Power Windows. That. That was the songbooks that I had. Rush complete at that time, volume one and volume two. They probably have now a volume three. But I I thought, I didn't mind the lyrics, but I kind of thought that they were a little bit like how I used to write when I was nine. But But I thought that the music was complex. But I thought the music, too, a lot of times was weird and disjointed until it got more towards signals but i i i don't mind the lyrics but yeah i i think that um they're more to me they're more for people into sci-fi i wasn't really ever a fan of sci-fi much except for a kurt vonnegut novel um, just because it was categorized as sci-fi, even though it wasn't. But for me, 
the lyrics that I preferred were Dylan. But that's just me. Yeah, but the, the sci-fi lyrics in here also talks about the human condition, if you think about it. you know. Yeah, but, but I never why think I about love it. Sci- that's why I love sci-fi. Yeah, I love Star Trek. I love Star Wars. I love superhero movies. So so you, you, you have something in your mind that I don't. I, I have, like, one brain cell less, but but I feel good about that. But anyway, um, but no, it's okay. But yeah, I, I, I just never got into Star Wars or, or, or Star Trek or Fang Wars or um, cooking with the galaxies or whatever they were. And, you know, but, but I mean, it's okay. But, but yeah, I, uh, with me, I, I'm trying to think of one more lyricist who might... Um, I'm, I'm really trying to think. The only other guy who... I thought was cool with lyrics was Robert Lamb from Chicago. <laughs> but now you're probably going to... Uh, some people might think I'm trivial, but I... There's some songs he did that were cool, but that, but I, I'm a weird guy. Well, it's so 24 or 64 is kind of a sci-fi song. Okay. Alright, I'll give you that. I'll give you that. Yeah, that's a great... Chicago is a great lyric. has great lyrics, too. Okay, you know, okay, all I right, all right, yeah, yeah, I, I, love, I, I fucking love Chicago. I was told, right, I yeah. told my fiance we should go see Chicago in our Speedwagon. She said, we already saw Ario Speedwagon with sticks. And I go, well, that's what Ario Speedwagon does. They get on these these tours with these bands that I haven't seen. So I have to, I've seen Ario Speedwagon nine times because they were with sticks and they were with this other band. Now they're with Chicago and I've never seen Chicago, so I want to go see it. <laughs> that would yeah, so so actually, I'll I'll change what I said. Neil Peart is a great vocalist. He and um, Robert Lamb are one of a kind. <laughs> All right, <laughs> well, let's get into track four, "The Enemy Within," part one of Fear. I this is weird. I didn't know it was a part one of something. They but it, cheated it, me. It's funny how it's part one when I thought Winch, Witch Hunt is part two, right? On uh, I, pictures. I never even heard of a uh, part one and part two. I thought it was a separate song. I have to look at that. And, That's and part three is weird. on uh, Vapor Trails. That sounds like a dream theater trick. Like you have to listen to all these songs and <laughs> go back and forth in these different orders. And you have to listen to our whole catalog in 24 hours before you can hear the whole song. It's like, no. Well, uh, Mike Portnoy had a, a, a set called The Twelve Steps about him getting off of booze. Yeah, and it's I on, heard that on in di- a row. several different albums, and I would like, and he played it in its entirety on a rock cruise. I would like to hear that. I need to figure out what songs they are and, and just put them on a playlist and just play them together. I could give you the list because I found out what they are. Oh, cool. And 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 I'm and I'm like, I I was like, if this is the Twelve Steps to Sobriety, let me get a drink. That was nice. <laughs> You always want to drink, Lee. Well, no, this gave me the idea for it. All right. Well, let's get into no. track four. That, no, well, we you're, already you're said right. It. I we am, already I'm said it, part excuse. one of I four. have an excuse. I'm, I have an excuse. So, so. what do you think of this track, Lee? What what track? The the body electric? No, the enemy within part one of oh. four. Oh, okay. They play great on here, but I'm not a big fan of the actual song. It's like reggae. Um as if they were influenced by Bob Marley here. 
It's better than a couple of other songs I'll talk about later, but I really have to say this is filler to me. All right, well, I'm going to blow your mind right now. Blow the bass that goes bum, 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 bum. And the police rhythm. They said they were listening to a lot of police, and you hear the influence on this song. And the break in this song is great. This is the song that I was talking about that kind of reminded me of Ghost in the Machine. And the guy wrote it in the book, and I was like, damn, I guess I can pick out shit. <laughs> yeah, you can pick out shit. <laughs> All yeah, right, he can, No, he can pick out shit. You just like it. All right, well, let's, ah, sorry. let's get into what they say about this song in the book. This is oh, from Mauer again. Okay, okay, let me sleep for um, 10 okay. minutes. <laughs> and then you have The Enemy Within, which deals with fear. And that, the song original, that was the original ending of fear as Neil had executed part of the fear trilogy with the weapon and witch hunt. Yeah, oh, that, I knew witch hunt was part of the fear series. And then you have the weapon, which was on uh, signals, right? Yeah, the weapon, and then witch hunt, and it's really about getting into one psych and dealing with the nerves and your suspicions. Essentially, you could be your own worst enemy in life. That's so true about this. I like not giving in to security under pressure, not missing out on the promise of adventure. I love that song, man. I will say that it's better than the song Under Pressure by Queen. <laughs> I will say that. I do love Under Pressure by Queen. Oh, God, oh, uh, you shouldn't have told me that. I I don't want to throw up. I don't like Ice Ice Baby, though. <laughs> That's like saying you like chocolate ice cream, but you just don't like chocolate ice cream with a fancy plate on it. <laughs> All right. Well, let's digress here and get into track five, <laughs> The Body Electric. What do you think of this song? This sounds like a blues version of Distant Early Warning. I like it. It has an Aldo Nova feel to it, and it also sounds a little like Mike Shreve's solo work. It did make my top three songs, but it could have been a fourth song. So there's my description. It's an interesting song. It has some of the best jamming the group has done on this album. Well, even though I picked Between the Wheels as my fourth favorite song, uh, my fourth song to play on here, just because I think it has so many changes, people need to listen to it, this is my favorite song off the album. Uh, love the slow cool. drums and bass intro, then the guitar and the keyboards, wow, just a perfect intro. Then goes into a sci-fi story of an android, catchy chorus, binary code, wow, they made that catchy. One, zero, zero, one, zero, zero, one, SOS. I said, oh. Now I know how you, why you do that. Laugh out loud, LOL. You go one zero one one zero one, <laughs> and then only Rush could do that. You know, take a binary code and make it a catchy chorus, man. They should just go LOL, 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 LOL. That would have sounded cool. Then the drums, wow, kick ass. What a fucking great solo by Alex. It song just speeds up with the drums going with it. Then it comes back down. Love the changes in the rhythm. Getty's voice is so good. And the end with Neil doing those kick-ass drum fills. Yep. And then let's see what this dude says here. Uh, where did I find it? I had it. Doo, 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 the body is his name this dude? 
Let's see. Popoff <laughs> says, again, with the records, invoke futurism as well as maybe none more than the body electric with its 100101 chorus. Freaking, huh. yeah, true. Like I said, and and they said it's kind of a dispute. You can't release an album in 1984 and not address the George Orwell book 1984. And with this going huh. on, you got other dystopian themes, as in Distant Early Warning, where the video there's a kid replay replaying out Doctor Strangelove on this rocket. <laughs> huh. like, Was that actually Martin Popoff quoting himself or? Biff well, the plumber. Popoff said, Pop said the that Mauer went into the description of the album. It's pretty cool. Oh, okay. I was just trying to name two two anonymous people he quoted. Okay, Kirk the gardener and Biff the plumber. <laughs> but 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 you you interrupted my joke. But but you, you saved the audience. Okay, and then we get into track number six, Kid Gloves. What do you think about this? I never really cared for this song. It sounds like Progressive Rock's version of We Are The World. Well, it's a little better than that, but this is definitely the worst song on the album. I agree with you on that. It's a nice song, has nice changes, and it's an album track, kind of filler. It's really good. Love the break, and, and the guitar solo shines on this on this song. So, yeah, I agree with you on that one, Lee. Okay, well, well you, you agree, but, but you like it. Damn I, it. I like it. I don't like dislike any Rush song. Damn, you know, I, it's a good song. They never make a bad song. It's filler, but they're killer filler. So. Uh, uh, well. Uh, all right. Well. Um. Um. Ah, uh, 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 God. I, I have no. You. 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 You made me feel. Uh, I have a case of the dumbs. I don't know what to say, but. So. You like and you don't like, but you like like you like with you like, yeah. Never mind. Okay, but it says in the book, kid gloves. He's talking about peer-to-peer pressure <laughs> and what you're facing, and now how we don't live under the golden rule anymore. I mean, what is the golden rule? Pretty cool. Oh, oh, okay. And then we get into red lenses, which is the third song you picked off this record. So here is red lenses by Rush. Off a of grace under pressure on the freeform rock podcast. I see red. That's my head. I guess it must be something. But I read.
That was Red Lenses by Rush. Why did you pick this song, Lee? Oh, third best song on the album. I've tried playing this on piano, and playing Rush is a little more difficult than you'd think. But when you wanted to do this album, I was happy, mostly because I got a chance to talk about this song. It might be a deep cut, but it ought to have been played on radio more. Yeah, I think it's a cool song. I love love the drumming on this song. Oh my... The cowbells and the lots of sounds he makes and the Lee's bass is killer. Love the lyrics too. The keyboard break is killer. Yes, I like the keyboards. Very rhythmic song. Change of pace on the record. And then the drum break where Getty says the Mercury's rising. I love that background rhythm. Hmm. When he says the Mercury's rising, you hear the... Bum, bum, bum. Oh, and they were on Mercury drug. Records. He's, he's so. doing that, that. The Mercury is rising in here in the Apricle. And they were on Mercury Records, so they might have been saying the Mercury um, sales are, are rising for the album. <laughs> and Romina starts to <laughs> fall. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> All right, and then we get into the last song on the album, which is the song I had to pick. Between the Wheels, which is the longest song off the record, so here's Between the Wheels on the Freeform Rock Podcast by Rush.
That was Between the Wheels by Rush. What did you think of that one? I like the chorus part of the song better than the verses. It's an okay song, but I think of it as, if not quite filler, it's just not quite as exciting as the best songs. Well, I said my second favorite song off the record, love the lyrics, you know, I when he says, you know how that rabbit feels going under your speeding wheels, bright images flashing by like windshields towards a fly, you know, he goes, frozen in that fatal climb and the wheels of time just pass you by, it just seems like live your life, man, you're gonna fucking fuck it up if you don't take the time to look what's around you, kind of like time stands still for me, this, this song, and another the, one that's not that great. And it says, wheels can take you around, wheels can cut you down. So powerful. Ferris wheel, got to go round. Let a painted pony, let the spinning wheel... Sorry, go on. And the keyboards, guitar, and drums just meld so well. Song just kicks ass. Perfect song. Then the solo, wow. Alex and Neil going off. Go, and Alex and then Neil going off with his drum fills. Great way to end the record. And it in the book... It says, and wind it up with Between the Wheels and talking about lost generations and all these things that Neil is trying to express to us. Like distant early warning, he's saying red alert, red alert. Neil saw a lot of things to be afraid of and what we should appreciate, what we have around us. Like I said, like time stands still, you know, it kind of reminds me of that song and I love that track. And so, or we should appreciate each other and that we should appreciate the planet. Neil's doing a lot of stuff that people did 10 or 20 years later, except he's not a public guy. He's not going to be Bono. He's not going to go up there and make political statements on stage, or he's going to be, or he's not going to go going to be Peter Gabriel. He's not going to do the Amnesty International stuff. Neil is the type of guy who's going to put that in his lyrics and is going to write a check. That's how he does things. He sends checks out. He's a big philanthropist as far as how he feels and how his how passionate his beliefs go. And it says in closing on this record. Even though you look around, come around, Grace Under Pressure is now one of your favorite Rush albums, correct? That's Pop-Off, Axe, and Matthias. Yes, I had to be honest with you. I really didn't get into this record until probably 86 or 87. I lost touch with what was going on in a broader sense. I was really immersed in metal at the time and what was what our band was doing. I was the heavy metal kid in 1984 and Rush seemed to have lost that plot for sure. Then why did I go back to Grace Under Pressure? To me, it felt so fresh like it like I said, it took me a while to understand what was going on. And and now going back to the LPs, the first side of the record is probably one of my favorite Rush sides. All four songs on that side are amazing for my taste. There's probably a little dip in quality on side two, but it made up for the last two songs, especially In Between the Wheels, which maybe, although it's not blatantly one of the heaviest Rush songs I could think of. But I appreciate what Rush went on to new areas, which at first I didn't do. They should be congratulated for that, for pushing the boundaries and not doing the same prog records over and over again. And for once I opened my mind, it led me to all kinds of directions that I never thought I would be led into. I am deeply appreciative. Oh. That's freaking cool. And and Between the Wheels is one of the most heavy Rush songs I ever heard. It is a freaking uh. great song, that rhythm. Dun, dun, you know how that rabbit feels? Just listen to those lyrics. Just think of you think it out in your mind. No, I know. Running under, know. running over a rabbit, I going know, under your speeding wheels. I know, wheels. I know, I know. Yeah, now, it, yeah, it, now, I'm, yeah, I'm now. About the, I'm just thinking about the music. The music was 
great on this song. It's like it's a great way to end the album. And I remember. I didn't say I didn't like it. I just thought that some of it wasn't quite as good as some of the other songs. Well, that's that's an opinion. We both have opinions. Yes, man. Red Sector A is better. Red Sector Damn. A kicks ass too, but the yeah, Im- the and, images and, and, that and I- after image, my God, there's no song better than that in the Rush catalog. Well, but I, that's I, me. But it's like Neil Peart paints a picture. And it runs through your mind. I'm seeing a rabbit going under my car and all these flies hitting my windshield. Yeah, I don't like to see that picture, but even if I saw that picture, it doesn't mean I think the music but um, it, but what makes they, me want to dance. But what the guy said in the book is what I thought about it. It reminds me of later, time stands still. Appreciate what you have around you because we're all going to go under those speeding wheels and life is I guess passing I'm us gonna, by like windshields towards a fly, you know? It, I I guess I'm going to have to go up to Martin Popoff and and, and, and and yell at him because you're just the disciple. You're just the guy brainwashed. No, I told you this is, how I, this is how he's I felt. He's a weirdo. I told you this I is how read, I felt before I even I'm read that. I'm I'm trying to make you change your mind. You can't change my mind. I've been living with this album since it came okay. out. I love oh, okay. this is I just right, absolutely right, love the image. <laughs> I just all right. Neil Peart is a, like a painter. He paints images with spirit, lyrics. We're having a spirited conversation. I, I, I um, is it, you're cool. It's like you, <laughs> Lee. You paint you paint images with your lyrics, like bugs on cheese. You know, I'm uh, thinking that, of bugs on cheese. I'm thinking of shit going on with bugs and shit. You know, he's making me think of images like rabbits and, and freaking flies, and then you put it into real life. We're all like bugs on cheese and rabbits going okay. under speeding wheels, right? Okay, okay. Um, um, I, I realize now that that you're correct, and I'm sorry. This is my favorite song on the album. In <laughs> fact, t- it's really good, and I, I, I love it, man. If Every time I hear it, I'm like... Damn, you know, I, I, I slap people on the face if they don't listen. <laughs> You're funny. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, but I'm just saying, it's just like you paint a painting with your lyrics, just like Neil Peart does. I compare you to Neil Peart. That's a compliment. Really? That's weird. Because, I mean, no, a lot of, some of my, my novels are actually the ones that I take the time, and my lyrics are, like, meant to be stupid. But bugs on cheese, you're thinking about, man, we're all bugs on cheese, and then we're all like rabbits going under speeding wheels I, or windshields towards a fly. I tell, you know what I, I'm I saying? Could, I could tell you the, 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 the way I came up with that song, and you wouldn't think think this. But don't ruin, was, don't ruin my image of that song. You know? It was just a joke, but, 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 but no, but, but, but it's all good. Uh, no, actually, I have to tell you this when... When Dr. Funk did the video for it, I, and, and then the way he put those images together, I was like, oh my god, I, this, this is profound. I didn't even think it was. You know? I'm like the dummy who comes up with profound stuff and doesn't know it. Yeah, it's like we're all bugs and cheese and windshields towards a fly, man. You know, we're all, I was like a we're bug all insignificant. We have to make... The best of the time we have here on this earth, man. I was a bug who did a cheesy song that became <coughs> Primo Cheddar. Primo Cheddar. 
Well, yeah. this on this album, Getty Lee played lead vocals, bass guitar, synthesizers, Alex Lyson guitar, Neil Peart drums, Simmons SDSV electronic drums and percussion. But he actually played them and did programming. There's no drum programming. He actually hit them with sticks. Ha! Huh. Ah. So, Lee, what is your track of the week? I have no fucking idea. So, so, so let's let's. But but now that you say that, give me only ten seconds, and I'll think of something. Um. Okay, why not the song by Billy Satellite called "Satisfy Me"? Billy Satellite, satisfy me. Yeah. Satisfy me. I'll give you the link. All right. They were from my they they were from my town. It was a big hit back in the day, and then they never did anything else that got a hit. And when I had the album, I thought, now I know why. And um, that was their only good song. Give me but a it second. was great. I wasn't prepared for the oh, the track of the week. I'm just gonna pick this one album out of my ass right now, and I'm gonna oh. pick from Tom Keeper's album, The Way Life Goes. Huh. I'm gonna pick la 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 Babylon. Huh. Babylon one by of these, Tom Kiefer. Yeah, one of these days you you might wanna tell me what your song is, that way I can pick something well, actually they they both work, but I wanna sometime pick some that will work with you. Alright, so what uh, what are we doing next week, Lee? It's your choice. I'm thinking I'm I'm thinking to myself, just because why the hell not? <laughs> I have no idea um, what you think, but they are rock. They are from the late 60s. They're kind of like Cream. It's a group called NSU. In fact, Cream had an album. No, they had a song called NSU. They probably named themselves after that. The album is called Turn On or Turn Me Down. And I just remember I listened to it when I was drinking, and I thought, wow, that's a pretty out-there album, but I think it would work. So, you know, um, I'll give you the link to it. And, and if I don't find the link to it, which I think I will, then I'll pick maybe something like Olivia Newton-John. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get physical! <laughs> Physical, yeah. and then everybody's yeah. gay. Then you turn everybody gay and listens to the podcast. Yeah, <laughs> like actually, i I loved the I loved the the poster in it. That was hot. In fact, if I found a copy of that album, I would buy it for fifty cents just for the poster. I would hide it under my coat and run home and <laughs> get the poster and and then give someone else the album, and then they slap me on the face and say, where's the fucking poster, asshole? <laughs> That's funny. All right, so next week on the Freeform Rock Podcast, if he finds the link, NSU, turn me on or turn me down. And right now we're going to play Bi Billy Satellite, Satisfy Me, and Tom Kiefer, the, the ex-singer of Cinderella, off his last solo album called Babylon on the Freeform Rock Podcast. Till next week, Lee. Right on. Have a drink on me, buddy. Right on. I will have tons of them, but this was fun, man. Thank right. you, man. All right. All right, man. God bless. Take care. Take care. All right. Care. Bye.
Now let's get into the promos. Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. I wanna rock. Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. You gotta fight for your right. Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. We've got Bush. Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. That's right, bangers. Cold beer, hot women, loud music, and copious amounts of hairspray and spandex every Sunday, 9 p.m. Eastern. The Big Bushy Power Hour is the biggest party on that metal station.com. Ear Peelers, the podcasting and interview news site to keep up with your favorite bands or artists and the podcasts or interviews where they appear. Go to earpeeler.com to find out what we're all about. You haven't listened to Mars Attacks podcast? What are you waiting for, man? Host Victor M. Ruiz brings you all types of hard rock and metal-based podcasts. You'll find everything from music-based episodes, interviews, to series such as ultra-sexy classic album series, where some of your favorite musicians, producers, journalists, and show hosts comments on the albums that push the evolutionary chains of hard rock and metal. Get with it and go to MarsAttacksRadio.com to find out more. Punch it! Get blasted! From New York. Hey, 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 hey! What up, bangers? From North Carolina. Skitter pal, meow meow. This is Bushy. And the Mountain. Tune in every week for your listening pleasure only on the plug with Bushy and the Mountain Man. You can find us on Podbean and iTunes. Thank you very much. Hey, this is Lee Gerstman. And if you like to hear some stuff that's like, you don't know what it's going to be. And even if it's stuff that I don't even know what it's going to be. Check me out on what I call the Lee Gerstman Show. And... It's just me doing reviews or me doing horsing around or whatever I'm doing. Check it out, please. You have just listened to the Freeform Rock Podcast. All music played on the Freeform Rock Podcast belongs to its owner. If you like it, go out and buy it. Get your music on Amazon, iTunes, or at your local record store. Support what you love. Support the artist by seeing them live. Purchase their music. The Freeform Rock Podcast is not affiliated with any of the artists or music that we play. Thank you for listening to the Freeform Rock Podcast. We'll see you on the next episode. Until next time, stay free and rock on.